thought I would start by introducing myself because I see people I really know and then maybe some new faces that I know, but maybe they don't know fully about me. Um, we have five children. We're a blended family, which means I have three, my husband has two, kind of brings its own dynamic. Um, we have three teenagers. Well, Blake turns 13 this week on Monday. And the older three are like 14, 13, 13, so they're tight-knit in there. Um, my husband, Will, picture there, giving me that look. It's common. Um, he puts up with me, and he's a full-time Army officer. I get the privilege of being a full-time stay-at-home mom. We homeschool just one child. Um, that's William, and he is severely ADHD. So right now, during this season, homeschool is our option. Looking forward to maybe different options this coming year. The rest of our children go to BBA here. That was their first year here. Um, it's been a great experience. We just really like it. We've been at Berean for since 2018, so however many years that is now. Um, my husband was here previously before me, so he's had a longer time here. Um, I had the pleasure of being introduced to Berean after he'd been exposed and just couldn't tell me enough about how great Berean is. Um, I believe the first step in the journey of trying to guard our children's hearts begins with our own heart. I think that sometimes, like the devil, will tell our children lies. The devil tells us lies, too. And parenting is hard. Being a mom is one of the world's hardest jobs with almost no rest, mental, physical. It's hard. Um, but God didn't just mistakenly give us the job. He knew who he was giving it to. He gave it to people who are well capable of doing it with his help. Did we start the recording? Yes, ma'am. Oh, good job. Thank you. See? I need you here. Um, I was a perfect parent until I had children. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, we seemed to have children with unique challenges like William and stepchildren coming to live with us, and that presented a whole new world of challenges. How do I parent that? How do I parent this? Um, but there are also lies that are fairly common, and I got a lot of my information on how to even begin to to talk about this big, huge, massive topic um, from these incredible books, and we'll talk more about those later. But they really summed it up to mom's belief, three, one of three lies, or two of three lies, or if you're like me, maybe all of three lies. Um, mom lie number one that we can tell ourselves is I can't or can control what my child believes. Um, we'll start with, I can't control what my daughter believes. Believing this lie leads us to parent from a place that denies a personal responsibility and creates a feeling of helplessness. I think sometimes we can easily become there, um, especially when our children seem to be rebelling one after another after another. Um, we just tend to give up. Or, I think when our children are younger, we kind of, or me, I tended to believe this one, I can control what my child believes. Well, if I just do all the right things, then my child will believe what I believe. They'll see it, they'll, they'll live it, and that's a trap. And if we buy into that one and it doesn't work out, then we become self-loathing, or what did I do wrong? And that's, that's not helpful. And it's not necessarily true either. Sometimes we do all the right things and it just doesn't work out the way we think it will. So what can we control? Well, we can prayerfully determine what boundaries we'll set for our children. We can be responsible for the next generation knowing the truth. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. My version is a little different. I don't have ESV, but um, it says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak in you a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. 
Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give them their hearts to God. And then also, I think everybody probably knows this one. Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to their hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we can continue to speak over our children things that God has done in our lives or the people we know, the testimonies that we've seen. And we can focus on the long-term goals for our kids because sometimes our kids, at least in mine, and we're not even close to being done yet, seem to have gone through a season where we wonder, like, okay, like, is that trait ever going to buff out? Am I going to be in this season forever? And just continuing to have that greater focus, even though we can get tied up in, man, my kids don't seem to have manners, or my kids sure don't tidy their room like they're supposed to, that we're overall focusing on, are they getting the gospel? Are they getting Jesus through us? Are we issuing grace and mercy and love? Are we pointing them consistently to the gospel and to his word? And I have referenced um, 3 John 1, 4 for that. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. And I think that's pretty much us, right? Mom, mom line number two. It's too soon to talk to my daughter or even my son about blank. I think it's important to know when your child is ready to discuss something. I think only probably a parent perfectly considering would know when that time is. Sometimes that's going to be super early for some kids who are naturally just pick up on things. I have a CIA future operative in my house, and she just has seemed to ask pointed questions sooner, and I have a 10-year-old who doesn't pay attention to anything. Um, And that's going to vary greatly. But I think we have to be careful and be diligent to ask ourselves a couple questions when considering, is it too soon? Are you sure? Are you really, really sure, or are you avoiding it? Guilty as charged on avoiding a topic because I don't know how to present it. Um, Are you being deceived into thinking that it's too soon? Are you buying into the cute naivety of your children? Oh, little Johnny would never. He has no idea about. He would never. That can be tempting. And don't avoid the topic out of fear. Don't get scared and think, well, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not gonna. And I think that was approach for my parents was I'm not gonna because I don't know how. And Or my child's got this covered. So I've, I've gone over this. It's fine. And I'm like, mm, sometimes I think it needs to be a repeated conversation about things. I think we need to be alert and sensitive to the Holy Spirit about talking to our kids, realizing that unless your child knows it's a lie... They might not be able to discern that it is a lie. For example, if you loved me, you would blank. Or, well, that's not really blank. Or, you know, and it's very tempting. But if we don't come to our kids and tell them point blank, hey, girl, boy, you know, positive touch, negative touch, if we don't have those conversations then kids don't know. They could be bought in. Or my hope, my prayer is that I've had these conversations and hope that when a boy looks at my daughter and says, hey, well, this isn't really sex. It's fine. That she'll go, no, no, no. My mom from, like, 12 has told me, no, that is, and you're a liar. Like, I hope that's, that's the prayer at least, right? At least we can know that they have the truth that they have that knowledge. What they choose to do with it after that is really only so much is in our control. In fact, very little is in our control. Line number three. um, My daughter is not at risk like other girls. Um, 
this mom lie is the one that I am personally the most easily deceived by, was deceived by. And according to research, I am not alone. So this book is two parts. One is a mom's guide, and one is the book for your daughter. My daughters, in fact, even though they say this is for tweens, my girls who are 14 and 13, which I consider kind of tweeny, um, they were like, this is a really cool cover. They have a young women's one and then a mom's one, but I don't think the cover is as appealing. And if your daughters are anything like mine, the covers matter. <laughs> but what it was, she did a lot of research into surveying moms. 80% of those moms, when she surveyed them and asked them this question, which was, do you believe that today's tween girls are more prone to believe lies? 80% said yes. When she surveyed the same group, same group of moms, and asked if they were concerned about their daughters believing those lies, 80% were less concerned about their daughters than other girls. Like, massive blind spot, right? We may shelter them, protect them, fill them with the truth, and pray for them diligently. But that doesn't exempt them from being tempted and exposed to lies, believing them, and sinning. Remember, Eve didn't have a peer group in the garden pressuring her to sin. She didn't have the internet pressuring her to sin. She didn't have a public school pressuring her to sin. It was her and him. And I'd never really thought about that before, but that book brought it to my mind. And I was like, that's a very valid point. I'd never, I'd never considered that. And he sells us these lies so that we keep from educating our kids about the lies so that he can just keep on lying to everybody. So here's some facts that they presented in the book. Just a couple that I picked. Adolescent depression rates are on the rise, with tween girls especially at risk. 121.9 million users of Snapchat are aged 13 to 17. Rates for ER visits for treatment of cutting, burning, ingesting poison has surged in the age group from 10 to 14. 10 year olds, it's fifth grade. And the average age for the onset of anorexia has dropped from 13 to 17 to people as young as seven. That's, that's third grade if you're keeping track. In the middle of something, dear. This is from Social Shepherd. I thought it was really cool. Um, the average amount of time per day that kids are spending on social media platforms. Maybe some of you are thinking, like I did, my kid's only 10 or 11. Well, on the TikTok age group, 10 to 19, um, that accounts for 25% of users in the U.S. It's a quarter. That's more than any other age group. And females, in particular, account for 57% of TikTok users across the board. And many might be like me and say, well, my kid doesn't have access to the Internet. Maybe you've put a lot of restrictions in place. I just encourage you to keep making sure that you're watching also what their friends have. Because a lot of times they'll be like, yo, bro, did you see this? Or like, we don't have YouTube, but there's been times where kids have sent screen recordings to my kids of things that are highly inappropriate. And we have it where they have to allow us to add friends. Like, so, just kind of a wake-up call. Doing good on time. That's good. Well, if you're where I was a few years ago, then you're thinking, wow, gee, thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much for all this information of what I can't do and the horrific danger that lurks out there. Is there any hope at all for protecting my children? And the answer, of course, is yes. God knitted each one of our children together. He knows the things they're going to struggle with, and he didn't make a mistake in placing them in your care. And he has a plan for them and you. And he has already, I'm sure, placed women in your life and people in your life who will surround you if you just ask for help, right? We were talking about Charlotte in there. Guarding our teens physically. I think we start the journey as parents here. 
We worry about, is the crib secured just right? We cut the grapes in half for the toddler so they don't choke. We put bumpers on our furniture. We cover our electric outlets. We teach them to look both ways when crossing the street, to wear a helmet when riding the bike, even though they don't like it. And as our children get older, we become less like guards and more like guides. And it's hard to find that balance of doing enough and allowing them also freedom to figure out what God made them to do. So they're trying to figure out how they stack up in this world. I think with each child, that's going to look different, and that's even in our own household. One child might require more guidance on one area than another child. One child is going to struggle with something that another one never will. Um, and I, but I do have some general tips on things that I think are overall applicable to everyone's parenting journey. Have the uncomfortable conversations about purity and intimacy early with your kids and try to be the first person. Don't be the last person they hear about it from, that now you have to dispel all the lies. Be the bringer of truth. Our children are going to be placed in situations at some point when we are not around. And if they do not know a lie, they will be likely to believe that lie. They need to know that they can bring up a topic without you wrinkling your face or freaking out. Practice the face of neutrality. When your kids are telling you something horrific, say less and let them talk more. And confront the direct lies by leading them to it. Challenge them calmly, like playing devil's advocate is kind of the goal we have. And let them come to their own conclusion. Because I don't know about you, but I was a teenager, and if my mom told me something was this way, I was adamantly going to be like, absolutely, it's not that way. You're old and stodgy, and you have no idea what you're talking about. And I don't think that's probably changed. Or at least it hasn't changed in my household. Six degrees of separation. I heard this idea from a pastor friend I went to college with. Uh, he went on to go to seminary, and he's now a pastor. He struggled with being an alcoholic in his youth and a drug abuser. And he presented this idea to us, and I thought it was brilliant. I'd never heard it before, so I'm going to share it. He said, if I know that the alcohol store in Missouri, you can buy it anywhere. So he knows his favorite gas station is on the corner of this street and this street. He's not going to go to that shopping center. More than that, he's not going to go to that corner. More than that, he's not going to take that road. He's not going to shop on that side of town. He's going to shop at the other store on the other side of town, so he's not even close to being tempted to go into that store. And I think about the same way when I try to parent my teens of setting up the same amount of parameters. We can't protect them from anything, but we can prevent them from being in a situation where they're having to rely on their frontal cortex that's not fully developed and their hormones, which are raging. If we set it up to where they're not even in the car with the boy, and then we need to have a backup plan for when they realize they're being dumb. Um, I heard somebody say recently to use the code pretty please that they establish with their children when they want to come home and they're not safe. They can call their mom sorry, and say, pretty please, can I stay at my friend's longer? Can I please stay a little longer, pretty please? And then their mom would know, I need to go get them right now. And then they can be the bad guy. We can be the bad guy. And I told my kids, I don't mind being the bad guy. I will be the bad guy. Yep, I, actually, you left your room a mess, and you need to get home right now. This is unacceptable. I just discovered, because there is plenty of stuff that I, can, uh, that I have discovered while you've been gone, that I, can, that I can quickly be like, yeah, actually, we've got this thing we've got to go do right now. Um, keep in mind that as we were, they are hormonal creatures, and sometimes they are going to do dumb things. And we were all, at least I was, extremely dumb at that age. And they don't think they're dumb. They think they know it all. But they're missing this major part of their brain right here. And so um, recognize that the reality that they may be put in places of temptation, despite our best efforts. And tell them, again, the lies that are going to be used to lure them into unsafe, unbiblical actions and prepare them in advance with the truth. All we can do is prepare them and try our best. And then know the warning signs for body image issues. This is huge in our culture right now. Um, especially as I just saw on the news that, what is it, the crack skinny is in or something. 
If your child starts skipping meals, making negative comments about their body, be proactive, root them in truth, and get an outside counselor if you need to. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't make them feel ashamed of that. Be careful with that mom line. No one else is going through that. No one else's child is going through that. Some people are just going to naturally struggle, no matter our best efforts, with comparing themselves to other people. And it's our job to help them navigate that. Guiding our teens socially. Okay, who knows what this means by a show of hands? You're not supposed to say it. <laughs> good. That's good. I'm so excited to hear this. Uh, FOMO. The fear of missing out. And this sounds kind of silly, but it's serious stuff for our kids right now. It's something that they are facing heavily. I would say even adults are facing it, but again, we're facing it with a fully developed brain and all of our experience. They're facing it with minimal experience and, a min and like a pruned brain, a brain under reconstruction at this age. So understand this is very important to them. The fear of missing out on what my friends are doing or have is, is very high. So that emotional reaction when you're wondering why is my child screaming at me about not getting able to do da-da-da-da-da, this is a big deal, especially when you consider their constant feed of Instagram and social media and all the other things that are coming into their mind consistently telling them they have to live up to this arbitrary standard. We have to be very careful in understanding that this is big to them, so therefore it's big to us. Um, I would love to go into the deeps of social media and all the ways you can protect your kids. But I have been limited on the amount of time I have. And, and there is an unlimited amount of apps and crud out there on the World Wide Web. And that there is, I, we could probably spend days discussing it. My top tips for this is to be aware of what your child is doing on their device. Unlock the phone, share the passwords. I'm going to advocate for breaching the privacy. Our kids know that they have no privacy on their devices, period, end of story. I randomly check, and they know it. And in the same turn, live by the same standards as on there. Because although there's content on my phone that I don't necessarily want my children to see between man and wife, right? But they know that they have my password, and they can get into my phone that they know they're not going to find anything that I'm not telling them to live by. And I think that builds community in our home. Um, we don't allow electronics behind closed doors ever or in rooms alone ever, period. They're just too much temptation, and I, I don't trust my kids yet on that. Some people will say that they trust their kids with that, and that's, that's again, a prayerful consideration that you make for your own children. Um, I, I think my children know that I'm crazy enough to pull the plug on my Internet if I have to. In fact, we have done something like that similar. We went through a big season of that where we locked down everything. And I think they're, they know. Like, okay. Um, and be aware of who your kids' friends are. Because, again, those friends are going to be showing your kids stuff or leading your kids to, oh, you should download this app or this is how you bypass this or this is... Um, don't be afraid to say no. But as a parent, um, we have to say no a lot. It, it seems like no every day. No, 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 you're not climbing on the roof to go skydiving off of it. No, you're not going to drive the golf cart 30 miles an hour down the road to your friend's house. No, no. So Charlotte Derry suggested this, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, try instead. You pray about it. I pray about it. Let's get back together. I really like what you have to say. Tell me why you should. Find positions where you can say yes. Let's see in six months. Show me you can be responsible with blank, and then we'll allow you to have blank. Go ahead. A question. Yes. Um, can you give any advice on how to like block certain parts on social media? Is there any app I can download on my phone? How do I control that? So the only app I know about is Bark. But if you have an Apple iPhone, mm -hmm. is it a Galaxy? So there is a thing, is it family, Google family? I think so, because you can go in and you can literally turn everything off. Yeah. Your phone. And it goes, I put it on my phone, 
Yes. And we can block websites. Covenant Eyes is great for adult content. Bark's similar. They know. They're baiting your kids. Our kids got deep into it and they didn't even realize they were in it. So I'll get you. I'll get with you afterwards. Um, I'm not really sure how it works, other than the fact that their phone has it on there too. Like Bark, it was their phone has it on there too. Okay. Covenant Eyes, similar thing. Um, I'm not sure if Covenant Eyes does bully, bullying, but I know Bark does even with like self harm and stuff like that. Google, the good news is Google, I think, is a lot easier to lock down than Apple. Mm-hmm. Apple has a policy of by your 13 that you're responsible enough to do whatever you want. I will advise, we tried Bark on iPads because our kids only have Wi-Fi when they're, like, at home. And Bark, we really struggle with that. Um, so we've locked it down using the settings on the iPad. And I think you can do the same. I think, actually, Google is better about locking down settings than Apple is. It's because we did that on their computers that they were going to use for school. We set it up because it's through their email, and we set it up to where they couldn't access anything. So there is a lot of advice out there. And that's why you have to continue, continue, yeah, because they will find it, and then they get together and they share it, and they're like, oh, here's how, all right, you have to become one, like, we actually had a guy come in that helps us set up our router, because I was like, I don't know how to do this, but I, we even have a separate Wi-Fi for them and a Wi-Fi for us. All right, guarding our kids, teens' emotional health. All right, raise your hand if you woke up this morning, looked in the mirror before any makeup or hair, and said, man, I sure love the way I look. God made me so beautiful today. Yeah. If you do, you're better than me. Because I confess that my children are probably often, too often hearing a comment like, oof, if these bags get any bigger, my eyeballs are going to fall in them. <laughs> or they might hear me commenting to my husband the fact that my pants are uncomfortable because they're too tight. And they're listening to us. And they're observing us. And thereby reflecting us. We're surrounded by pretty people on TV, YouTube, movies, and in ads, and we're also exposed to other humans everywhere we go. Isn't that nice? Like it or not, we're all guilty of comparing ourselves in some way to other humans. It may not be looks for you. Maybe it's another way a person parents, or how they keep their house, how good they are in a sport, how fit they are, where they went on vacation list could go on, right? FOMO. And we all struggle with the temptation of envy and comparison. At least I do. And our girls, with their under-construction brains, who are trying to figure out how they stack up in this cold, hard world, don't have the advantages we do of a fully developed frontal cortex. And many, at least in my house, maybe not the relationship with Jesus that we do. And they're under immense pressure. And they don't need us adding to it unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to the slide in a minute, so don't panic when I skip. <laughs> there is a lie that girls believe, and that lie is that pretty and skinny girls are worth more. Or pretty and skinny women are worth more. And that's absolutely ridiculous. And most of us adults know that. However... The ideas pushed hard in media, in society, and our children are not immune to this, even if we homeschool our kids and keep them away from social media. 
external beauty is hard to ignore. People fawn over it. It isn't always that way, but it is there. The boy your daughter likes may like the girl with straight hair instead of her curly hair. She might think that maybe if I had straight hair like her, he'd like me instead. And that can happen even inside our church. We have to watch our daughters and make sure that they know what God sees and that God sees their heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, but people judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. We also have to remind them that it's normal for puberty to feel awkward. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable, and that uncomfortable is part of the process. We need to keep pouring into our daughter's truth and our boys, because they're not immune from this either. We also need to make it bearable if we can. We as parents can be dismissive, at least I can, when our children comes home to tell them their concerns, like, I don't like my blank. And we say well-meaning things like, well, I love your curly hair, or you really aren't fat, your body's just healthy. And usually those, those cure the feelings, but sometimes there's a deeper, inner, stickier feeling. A far more sinister lie being told to our sweet babies. And we have to listen to them. We have to make time to stop and evaluate, really, what is going on? That's no easy task when you're busy managing a household, trying to make sure everyone's to school on time. And it might be one little comment that your daughter says or your son says. And we're supposed to queue up on that. (laughs) But maybe my story will change your mind. Picture it, 2002, Midwest Missouri. Then 12-year-old Rachel, I think it was 12, going through the roughest time of my life to date. Mid-puberty, completely incapable of handling my new curly hair. My mom convinces me, Let's just cut it all off. Mom claimed, this is the cutest haircut I've ever seen. It's not cute. Don't lie. This is, this is after it's grown out, okay? This was like, I'm talking boy, boy short. All the older women in my life at church. Your daughter's so cute. It's the cutest haircut ever. Cue social demise, right? It's not the cutest haircut ever. Not for me. And all the kids thought I was the perfect target for some absolutely brutal bullying. This is, like I said, this isn't even the worst haircut picture. I think I have successfully destroyed all but one copy of that photo. My dad's holding a hostage saying someday I'll appreciate it. I'm 33. We'll see. (laughs) I remember what it was like to be the only girl in school that nobody wanted to even stand next to because I looked like this. I wasn't a cute kid during this time. I'm not going to pretend that I was. I was an athlete, I was a musician, I was an honorable student, I loved Jesus, went to church, was involved in youth group, was involved in my church volunteering, and you can't see that from that picture. And neither could they. And when I looked in the mirror at the time of my life, despite what my mother had said, it didn't matter that I was succeeding in all those other areas, I just wanted to be beautiful. I had a gorgeous, popular older sister. I felt like I was the exact opposite. Notice what felt. It was a different time. Bullying wasn't, wasn't seen as damaging, as we now know there was. There was no zero tolerance policy. And the things said to me during that time will leave, have left permanent scars that only Jesus healed. And I say all this because I wish someone would have noticed that I was struggling with body issues. I would stay up late at night and pray for God to please just make me pretty when I woke up. Please make me pretty like the other girls. And I was certain I was the only person on the planet who felt that way. And was certain that if I was just pretty enough, people would like me. You may be asking your mind, but wait, didn't you have parents? Where were they? I was a quiet, reserved kid. I didn't often speak my mind. And I definitely didn't talk about my emotions. I was embarrassed. It wasn't something my mother had done. I wanted desperately to please her. She was always there, always there to talk. 
But for some reason, I was too embarrassed. And maybe I really didn't understand the sticky feeling that was bothering me. I bought the lie the devil sold me, that I was not anything special. And I don't believe that garbage lie now. But I'd be lying if I said that it took me a very long time to dismantle that lie. And it was under my, no my mother's nose for a better part of a decade. So why do I tell you all that? Because sometimes we don't know. We don't know our kids are struggling. We must look for the unseen, deeper, darker feelings that are lurking below. We must be diligent in preparing our girls before puberty comes. Prepare them for the changes. And here's how. Teach them the lie that society will teach them that pretty girls are worth more because that is garbage. That it matters how their hair is done or that their makeup is perfect because that is not where their worth is. We must demonstrate modesty and confidence ourselves if we want our daughters to mirror it. If we're saying to ourselves or other pe about other people, did you see how that person's dressed? Oh my gosh, those pants don't fit her. You think they're not listening? They are. Or can you believe her? Did she even brush her hair? Or, oh, I look terrible. I don't want to get a picture. I don't want to get my hair wet in the pool because then I look terrible. Our kids are watching. And I'm not saying every comment will turn into a, a problem for them, but it could. And the most important thing is not what we feel about ourselves, but what God says about us. We have to teach that to our children because they are going to be fed the exact opposite. The world is going to say what I say matters. Our sons are going to hear that. And we have to be counter to that and say, no, it matters what God says. We must compliment our children on all their features, not just the physical ones. That's really tempting because kids are cute. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, look at you. We've got to be diligent to look for ways. We have one child in our house who really has struggled with this. And so every time we see something good, or not every time, because I'm not perfect, but I try to write on a sticky note and stick it on the back of their door. I saw the way you handled X with X today. That showed you really courageous. I really like how bold you are. I really like how tenacious you are. And don't be the style police. Be tender. I cannot say this enough. There is a difference between stylish preferences and modesty. And if you've seen some of the things my daughters have worn, then you know that it has been a struggle for me. Because, <laughs> because some of the things they want to wear as they walk out of the house in the morning, I internally cry. <laughs> That's legit, okay. okay. You want to wear com black shiny combat boots with skinny jeans, a white button-up shirt, and a sweater vest that is brown with blue on. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this hurts. This hurts, Lord. And as I'm seeing trends come back that I'm like, they needed to stay dead. <laughs> stay over there. They're back, and my daughters are trying to wear them. And it's really hard because I want to be like, yo, that didn't work out. Trust me, low-rise jeans are not flattering to anybody. <laughs> Just, but they don't want to listen to that. They want to be like their friends, and they want to be like everyone else they see. And I think it's important to balance being tender and prayerfully considering, is it really immodest? I encourage you, get magazines. St even if you don't agree with the content, get the magazines. Study the styles. So that when your child comes to you and says, I really want to look like blank, you know, A, who they're talking about, and B, what that style looks like. You don't have to be a style expert yourself. You don't have to dress like that. But if your child is prone to the proclivity of caring what other people think or feeling bad like that, we can help them if they have something wrong. Like, I have a daughter who doesn't like their nose. I can help be like, okay, let me show you what you can do with bronzer. And if I think if anybody sits there and goes, you would dare, I would say, okay, give me your concealer stick. Yeah, you can't have it. Can't have it. But our girls are women in training. They're going to deal with those insecurities, and we should help them realize that their body is wonderfully, beautifully made, and that 
they don't need to be fixing. But if they're really insecure about something, let's find a way to where you're not hating yourself over something as silly as a nose or a forehead. And again, it just goes back to being intentionally tender. And when they come with you in the style and says, I really like this, you in your mind already maybe have a way that you can style that. And if you're not good at that, hook up with a friend who is. There's certainly enough women who are stylish in this church that can help. We're not in this alone. Prayerfully consider if you're being unsensitive to their style needs. And that seems silly, but it's not silly to them. It's important for kids to feel good about what they're wearing and how their hair and makeup looks. And I'll also counter one more thing. I hear a lot of people saying, can you believe that's back in fashion? Ugh. In front of my kids. And if we say that in front of our kids, are they going to come to us with the, I really like these? Or are they going to know, my mom's just going to roll her eyes? My mom's going to say that's dumb, that's ugly, and it's stupid. Guilty as charged? I was really convicted about that. I need to be less vocal about my opinions about what they're putting on their bodies. It, as long as it's modest, modest and, and pleasing to the Lord, it doesn't matter if you wear black shiny combat boots because in 10 years no one's going to remember that you wore them at all. No one's paying attention to your feet. No one's paying. I, did anybody see my daughter dress that way and recall it right now? Okay then, I rest my case. <laughs> you should wear the pants you try to wear next week. And we need to listen to our husbands. God has placed them in our house. They're the leader of our homes. And as females, we tend to dismiss them. Well, I know the kids better because I'm with them all day, and you just don't understand, Susie. But the Holy Spirit is convicting them, too, and prompting them of, wait a minute, that doesn't, that, or they have different life experiences that bring, they bring to the table. I think oftentimes, me, I am, I'm guilty of being like, you just don't understand the fashion trend. You just don't understand. And my husband is like, no, this is, this is a big deal for me. And I think we need to be careful about dismissing that authority and going that they're the authority of this home. And if your dad says that he's not comfortable with you wearing that out of the house, that is the end of it. There is no me talking back to dad trying to explain why you're trying to wear that or do that. And be careful not to dismiss something that they see, notice, or feel is important. If they feel like your children should be learning something or not wearing something or vice of all of that or that you're not being sensitive, because that's many times me and my daughters and my husband's like, I don't think you're understanding. I think they're coming from this place. And oftentimes I'm angry by that point and I just want to be right. I'm like, no, you don't understand. They just challenged my authority and like, He's like, just. There's many times where dads come in, or at least in our house, the dads come in to fill in that gap, and we need to respect that and be thankful for it because there's many dads who would just rather sit back and not care at all. I don't care what you wear. Prepare for the unexpected. Chances are, if it hasn't happened already, Something in your parenting journey will not go the way you expect. Your children will probably not live up to an expectation you have made in your mind. It may be big, and it may be small. Prepare your heart now for the possibility that your child might not live up to those expectations you have in your mind. Be gracious, be kind, be tender. Be forgiving and help them come up with a plan to stop it from happening again. When something has gone sideways in your child's life, it is a great opportunity to create a stronger relationship with them or the alternate to drive a bigger wedge. Prayerfully consider, stop and pray of what you can do to help them in the moment you're in now because the past and what the mistake was is now over. And what matters now is the decisions moving forward. Remember, you can only control very little. You can control your reaction to things. And outside of that, you cannot control much. But that is great power in how we react 
we explode on our kids when they tell us they've made a mistake on something small, they are not going to come to us with big things. And we need to have that face of, all right, let's get through this together. How can I help? That's not to say we should just accept bad behavior. It's not to say that. Talking about the big things we don't expect. Not the, I've been disobedient, I need to go time out things. Avoid the temptation of focusing on what you could have done differently. It's very typical that we, when something goes wrong with our kids, we start to immediately inward focus of what did I do to make this happen. Even if you did do something, there's only the future now. And remember, there are many women in this church who have faced what you're going to be going through with your child, or are going through, or will go through. And they are a great resource. There's been many times where Joanna has encouraged me with William. Becky has encouraged me. Seen the way Bonnie parents, and I just want to, like, can I just be happy and joyful like that? And just, and there's been so many times where I've seen you balance your kids, all of them, and I'm just, but each one of us have great experiences that we bring to the table and relying on each other like Titus 2 says and being those Titus 2 women, that's an invaluable resource of someone who could say, well, I tried this and it did not work. Do not do that. Or read this great book. I read this because we can't read it all. We can't do it all. We won't experience it all, but we might have something we can offer. And ask for help. Don't be ashamed that my child has done something and think that you're the only one that's gone through it. Your child's the only one that's gone through it. No. I guarantee somebody's done it and maybe done it worse. And you would bring them joy knowing that the stuff that they've been through was for a reason and time as this to help you. Nothing, nothing, having William have autism and ADHD was really, really hard. But now having people come and ask me, what did you do? That made it all worth it made it all worth it if I could ease somebody's burden in the future. And I think that makes for everybody who's been through something really hard with their kids going, it was worth it. If I could help somebody not face this or handle it or have somebody to handle it with because maybe I traveled that journey alone. We were worried about the baby and she's been great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's h and H lawn care out there. I know. I was like, didn't you not know? Did you not know? Son's working right now. I'll call him. <laughs> but just don't take that lightly. Look, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't hide an embarrassment if something goes wrong. I tend to be guilty of that. Well, my children's behavior is definitely not Titus' behavior. It is wild and unruly. Often. But going to somebody and saying, did you struggle with this? Or did you? Oh, you too? That helps. You too, then you can parent together. You can ease each other's burden. That's the way it's supposed to work. We're not supposed to bear our shame and hide in a corner and just be like, well, I've screwed up and I'm a horrible person, so just don't look over here. It's just, don't look over. No, it's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be look over here. See Jesus in this too. All right, did everyone get their thing and put it in the, the basket? Did everyone write their name? Okay. I've got three great resources, four that I'm going to advocate for, but one you can't have. This book was recommended by Caleb Warren, Mr. Warren, principal of the elementary school. Um, I have not finished it. I've only gotten this far through. What I have gotten from this book is amazing. This, And I just think it's cool to have laying out because my kids know that I'm, I realize that they're not crazy. <laughs> like, seriously, my kids have been like, that's right. I'm not. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> But this has been really good. Like I said, this is a set that I'm going to 
divvy it up. Um, this is the mom's workbook for this book. This book is geared towards like younger-ish girls. So I don't know if a, a teen and full teen would be interested. Like they might be like, yeah, to be ish. And if that's the case, they do have a young adult one, but the cover is not as fun. They need to update the cover. It's just not, you can Google it. It's just not as fun. This is just fun. Uh, they also have a woman's one um, that I have added to my list for the summer. This book came highly recommended. Um, I actually swiped it off my own shelf. Another mom in the church recommended this one. This one's for dads on how to parent like God wants them to. It's a great book, great book. All right. All right, Bonnie, you can draw names. All right, which one do you want? This one? physical like biology what's going on in their brain it, for both and talking about faith wise psychology wise I've only gotten this much far into it he recommended I'm not a non-fic I, I can't I don't do well self-help books but this one is good like this one I've already been like uh, I hope you do because I will be taking that all right ladies I'm all about listening thank you so much thank you so much